And finally, we'll ask about the original Whalers. This was, of course, the band that picked up where Bob Marley left off, and you had toured with them and participated in uh, quite a bit of their jams and recordings over the years. Um, did you want to give us a little anecdote or any updates about that? We're still on the road today. Yeah, the original Whalers are still on the road today. Um, the original Whalers came... That part of my music career came during a time when I had just got out of culture. I wasn't with culture anymore and I was I'm working on my own CD. And um, I'd gone back and forth. In fact, I had a CD that was pretty much mixed and I was going to put it out. And then um, a friend of mine brought um, Junior Marvin, who was one of the guitar players with the original Wailers. He played, he was one of Bob's guitar players. He brought Junior to a, a club in DC to see me perform. And um, when I took a break, Junior came up to me and Junior told me that, um, you know, they, you know, they have a band called the original Wailers and they were looking like, they were looking for talent like myself. They wanted a songwriter and a singer to come and join them and I felt like you know that might be a good opportunity for me because these guys have a name out there already and by me joining forces with them and writing my stuff and putting my stuff out together with them that might be a good combination and it turned out to be that way and uh, we recorded some material and some of the material of mine that we recorded is material that I just told you about that I had recorded already that I was going to put out on my own. But when I presented it to them, all they did was recorded it live over what I had done already. So it was, they recorded it in the same way that I had done it, but we just recorded it live. So, um, you know, we were on tour, we were in California. I get a call, and no, Al Anderson gets a call, and he, he's, the agent comes on the phone, and the agent says, um, I have something to tell you, and he says, um, your, your, you guys CD has just been nominated for a Grammy, Reggae Grammy, and that was 2012, a Reggae Grammy, and, you know, so he's like, wow, man, you know, so when he answered up before, he said, Desi, you ain't gonna believe this. So he tells me what they just said. I'm like, don't listen to that, man. Homeboy joking in here, man. You know, yeah, don't listen to that stuff. Next thing I know, I'm going to the Grammys, man. And, you know, it was nice to see Jimmy Cliff won the reggae Grammy that year. And I was happy too because Jimmy Cliff is one of my all-time favorite reggae artists. So I wasn't sad about that. And I was happy to, to just to see how the Grammys is the how the Grammys is produced. The, the, the television part that you see in the night and what goes on in the day, I got to see all that. So that was a great experience. Man. But you know, and then my original Whalers experience came to a head because I felt like, you know, they were going back to how I found how how I came into the band. They were doing too much of Bob's stuff. And in as much as I respect Bob, you know, Bob's sons, Bob's sons and his grandchildren are out there representing him. And as far as I saw it as a songwriter and as an artist myself, Bob didn't need me to represent him too. I, I just needed to represent myself. So 
I, you know, I had to make my exit, and here we are today. I'm trying to finish off my upcoming CD titled um, titled "Just Being Myself." Works to be done, and as soon as it's out, I'll be happy to let everybody know. We'll look forward to having you back on the show at that time, and maybe next time you can bring along a portable keyboard and do a little uh, do a little jam. Exactly, that'd be great. Desi, it's always a pleasure. And it's great seeing you uh, and speaking with you this afternoon and wishing you a great uh, weekend. All the best. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and all the best. Media Hit Radio. We have in the studio with us today Frank Lowe, who's going to give us commentary and analysis. The subject today is North Korea. As most folks out there know, North Korea recently launched a ballistic missile, one of several that they've launched over the last year. And the West, including the United States, has condemned these actions. Frank is going to give us a little bit of perspective and history. Thank you, Frank. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. Um, good to be here. Um, as you know, uh, I like to play devil's advocate um, as a service in order to fill in the blanks as to what we are potentially not being told of this full story. The North Korean diaspora, North Korean issue, is much more complicated than what we've been told over the last few months vis-a-vis -vis, uh, North Korean missile launch and Kim Jong-un, which is the grandson of the dynasty of the Kim family, uh, you really have to go back all the way to the North Korean War, North-South Korean War, which was a throwback from World War II. Uh, after World War II, the country was divided by agreement uh, between the powers that negotiated the peace. Um, the Soviet Union influenced and controlled North Korea, while the United States and Allied powers controlled South Korea. Some point around 1950, uh, North Korea believed or had a strong belief that the South was going to invade it, so they did an, a preemptive invasion of the South, which brought in then the intervention of the United States and the United Nations. Approximately 16 or 18 different countries participated in that. However, the spearhead was really the United States. Now, having said that, and I'm, I'm really doing a very rushed service on the history of this. Um, most of the actual fighting and damage and statistics were generated in the first six months of the war. The war lasted for three years, 1950 to 1953. There were many casualties on both sides. For the United States, there were approximately 34,000 casualties. For the Korean side, there were approximately the, the bulk of the majority were in the north, were approximately 2,800,000. So because of this and because of the devastation in the north, North Korean War has been informally called the Forgotten War. 
it gets swallowed up into the history of the Vietnamese conflict, which followed soon afterwards. Now, the reason I bring up Vietnam is that Vietnam lasted almost four times as long, 1954 to 1975, but yet had a comparable amount of American casualties. In the United States, on the U.S. side, there were about 55,000 casualties. On the Vietnamese side, there were approximately 1.5 to 3.6 million. So, let's fast forward to today. Um, why is North Korea in conflict with everyone around them, or so it seems? Um, one of the reasons is geopolitics. Um, the North Koreans have still the war mentality. They, it is a badge of honor that they can compete uh, on a similar footing without being nearly as developed as the nuclear powers of the countries, the seven or nine countries that hold nuclear weapons. Um, so that is a badge of honor given their redevelopment and uh, rebuilding effort uh, post-North Korean, post-Korean War. Hey everybody, it's Chris Thomas once again in the studio with Frank Lowe with analysis and commentary on North Korea. I think it's safe to say that people think of different images when you mention the word North Korea. They think of nuclear weapons, they think of Dennis Rodman, they think of a dictatorship. The truth is a lot more than that. Frank, why don't you continue your analysis on the situation? Well, thank you once again, Thomas. Um, yes, that's an easy trap to fall into in that it's the good boy, bad boy, white hat, black hat theory. Where, and it's a very easy situation to, or conclusion to reach, when you compare um, the two Koreas based on their levels of development. Uh, clearly, uh, very similar to other areas in the world. Uh, at one point, uh, mainland China and Taiwan, uh, Cuba and Miami, uh, also East Germany and West Germany. These are similar comparisons on the inter international.